Daniel Cruz got his start in the entertainment business early as a child actor in Hollywood North, landing small speaking roles on early 90s TV shows like CBC Children's Fantasy series The Odyssey. Going on to a career as an investment advisor, it's that industry experience that propelled him into co-founding Liquid Media Group alongside Joshua Jackson in 2017. With Vancouver-based Liquid involved in everything from streaming to gaming, we talked to Cruz about the convergence of all things digital entertainment and why he believes all facets of the industry need to embrace technology to avoid the blockbuster video effect. My name is Daniel Cruz. I am the co-founder of the CFO of Liquid Media Group, traded on NASDAQ, ticker symbol YVR. My professional career started in the capital markets. I studied economics in college and I was lucky enough to, to get a job at Canaccord, based out of Vancouver, which is now called Canaccord Genuity, uh, which is, I'm proud to say, you know, one of the largest independent investment banks in Canada, which has now grown to be a global player in the capital markets. My career was really a stereotypical career of training to be, become a licensed investment advisor. I chose to focus on startups. So most of my professional career has actually been financing startups across all industries. But post being a licensed investment advisor, I had the opportunity of co-founding Liquid Media Group. And, and that really happened as a genesis of one of our other co-founders, who's our chairman, his name is Joshua Jackson. And, you know, he's, he's an actor, he's a Canadian, he's an entrepreneur. And since my experience in the capital markets of taking startups public, he, he gave me a firm nudge. It was on the set of The Fringe, actually, in um, Vancouver when he was filming. And, you know, he said, maybe we should start a company that, you know, focuses on creatives and focuses on the opportunity he and I saw in Canada. So uh, that was really the genesis of the co-founding of Liquid. And of course, there's a longer story of the process since then. My understanding is that the way that you know Joshua is because you yourself are Vancouver born and raised and were also involved in child acting. Yeah, yeah, Connie, that's funny. You've done some research. So yeah, that, that is actually true. So I um, you know, was fortunate enough again to, to be raised in Vancouver, uh, born and raised in, in Vancouver. You know, growing up as a kid, there was there was TV shows that, you know, were filming on the streets. And my mother tells me this, that it was actually my idea. But um, I don't know, maybe it was her trying to get me out of the house and make some extra money. You know, they're both immigrants to Canada, like so many of us are. So I got an agent and I started auditioning for, for television shows. And I was lucky enough to get some speaking roles in um, some classic TV shows. One of them I remember was called The Odyssey. And uh, it was a CBC show. I think Ryan Reynolds was actually, he, he was, he, he was on it also. You know, I started liking it as a, as a young kid. And obviously I was not successful like Josh, but, you know, I was around the business, ACTRA, UPCP, uh, Union, obviously I'm familiar with. And I was a member at one point as a, as a young child. So that's, I guess, where the passion and, and the love of the business started. And as my career turned into a professional business career, and Josh and I got connected on this, um, it just kind of all made sense. So from my understanding, I've heard Joshua talk about what propelled you to found Liquid. As a kid actor, 
or an actor coming up in the business, he saw gaps in the Canadian marketplace in terms of how film production was being done on this side of the border. That's very accurate. Obviously, as a, as a young child myself, you know, I did extra work. I did stand-in work. I did photo double work. I did stunts. Special skills, I guess, was the union definition. And of course, I had a little success in commercials and acting. I wasn't so aware of the business side of things. But when Josh started telling me that, you know, the way the business worked, which is Canadians generally did service work for these major studios, and they didn't have equity in the upside of the intellectual property, I started saying, wait a second, you know, I have a feeling that there's a bigger opportunity here. Now it's a bit obvious talking about movies like Deadpool and so forth that were such financial successes. It starts to make more sense to me. But in the early on, I, I didn't quite understand the difference of service work versus owning equity. And when I did some further research and I looked at the TSX stock exchange and the Canadian stock exchange, and even the NASDAQ for that matter, I noticed there wasn't companies on the small scale that you could invest in video games and streaming and movie production. So I said, wait a second, this is even another bigger opportunity. There's lack of capital investment in the business and it's a huge business. And the Canadian system, in my opinion, wasn't man monetizing it properly. So it really just all gelled. Liquid is involved in everything from television content to gaming and VR. Tell us more about the business and walk us through some of the company's platforms. I guess the, the most mainstream opportunity that has happened over the last year is streaming. We are very fortunate to invest in uh, a tool set of streaming technologies. We also acquired a couple brands in that transaction, which one of them is called Realhouse, uh, realhouse.org. It's a, it's a streaming platform that was built and created out of Vancouver. The founders of that company have been consulting and helping us throughout the transition, you know, pre-COVID and post-COVID. And the second brand we acquired was a subscription video on demand channel called Slipstream. Slipstream is an action adventure sports focused uh, SVOD. So that's really, you know, surfing movies, skiing movies, rock climbing movies, kayaking movies, you know, even some nature movies. And what we wanted to always be representing is the independence. You know, the indie marketplace is somewhere that we have noticed is underserved. I personally love Avengers and I personally love Deadpool and I love tentpole movies. But I also like some of the indie content. So one of the core platforms that we have focused on is streaming platforms for traditional documentaries, film, and TV. And we've had a lot of interest and a lot of excitement in that one particular platform during COVID. It's my understanding that you handle the process from creation to distribution. And you recently signed a distribution deal with Atari. But you're also evolving as a company in terms of getting into more solutions-driven business. Is that right? You know, one of the big themes that we've been bullish on is convergence. I recently caught attention of, you know, TELUS as an example, listing a new division in this TELUS International division, which it's positioning itself as a solutions company. I, I've been noticing, and thanks to our new CEO, this is becoming a more prominent business direction for tech and media and entertainment companies. And we feel that the gap in 
solutions is, is an area we can fit. So at the moment, I've talked about streaming. The mention of the Atari partnership is something that touches on another genre or another segment of media entertainment, which is converging, and that's obviously gaming. So the, the new opportunity we've been bullish on is someone who watches a movie or someone who watches a television show could also play games. And, you know, households in Canada or around the world are made up of, of different people and people have different tastes. So what we're really looking at is we want to go where the audience is. And with Atari, you could think a primarily gaming audience, but, you know, people want to watch movies too. So we're really excited about putting our subscription video on demand channel, Slipstream, on a video game console, which is a bit of a hybrid concept. I think this idea of convergence has been heightened by the pandemic. What what opportunities do you see? You know, again, coming from my professional background of capital markets and, you know, working with the analyst community in Canada and, you know, doing research in the magazines and the publications, you know, the media entertainment infrastructure is is very broad in Canada. It's very strong. Across the world, it's similar. You know, media companies touch cell phones, they touch, you know, internet, they touch cable and content now. So what's very interesting is because of the current situation with the pandemic, you're seeing vast consumption increases really across every touch point in the industry digitally. E-commerce is is exploding. There's obviously been, you know, some huge success companies in Canada and America and global that have had the privilege to be prepared for this pandemic. But really, you know, I noticed on the news recently with Rogers even acquiring a bid for Shaw. I mean, you're seeing these major players either merge with each other to offer more offerings or to get larger market share. But to me, the convergence is happening much faster than I thought with US companies, you know, Warner Brothers, you know, AT&T, Disney, you're seeing all these mega players, Facebook, uh, Microsoft, you're seeing companies that you thought were one thing step into another business. And that's what convergence is, in my opinion. So how does Liquid see a path forward in terms of taking advantage of some of this new consumer behavior or accelerated consumer behavior, I guess I should say? Yeah, very good question. You know, we've been very grateful and lucky to attract, you know, our new CEO. Ron is a different skill set than myself and different skill set than our president and management team. He's a real business operator. He's worked in the business for decades and, and he has a really global touch on the industry. So what I've learned in our transition, and of course, Ron has publicly disclosed, you know, his recalibration of our business is... We've had these streaming platforms. We were, you know, direct to consumer. We love our subscribers. You know, we love our content creators that give us the opportunity to sell their content. We obviously have exposure to video games. We really look at each consumer of our video games as an important one. But what Ron's brought to us is more emphasis on business to business. And Atari obviously is one of those brands that we're now driving a solution for their Atari VCS console. Whereas previously, we were more focused on the direct consumer. Ron is opening us up to this business-to-business solutions opportunity. And I think what we're lucky about is the timing is 
because of convergence, because of the majors embracing streaming and embracing gaming, they actually also need help integrating their vast subsidiary holdings into a single solution. So that's a little bit what we've seen recently that our business model is adjusting to the current environment and the huge demand, not only from the consumer, but actually from the corporations. And that's the one direct shift that I can talk about that we're really grateful that Ron has, has opened our opinion of. Instead of just being business to consumer, we're business to business. So has the pandemic actually created positive opportunity for you? Or do you think that Liquid was just well positioned to be able to pivot to meet some of the demands that have resulted? Pivot, that's, that's a really good word. You know, we're, we're Canadian, so we got to be humble. But, um, you know, at, at the same time, again, I want to give credit to our team um, for having some foresight. And I think you're right. We were we are bullish on streaming before the pandemic. I, I feel obviously... Uh, terrible about, you know, the film theater establishment and, you know, all the productions that have been slowed during the pandemic. But we did actually believe that streaming was going to be a larger part of the business. On the gaming side, we actually did some investments in retro intellectual property. And these are video games that myself as a child grew up playing. And the average age of a gamer, from some of the statistics that uh, I recall, are they're getting to be in their mid thirties. These are people who now have families. These are people who now have, you know, extra income to spend on entertainment, and the retro business has become very popular. And you know, Atari, as a as a brand, has also tapped into that nostalgia of a retro iconic brand that is now re-envisioning entertainment in a new way with, of course, their console, the Atari VCS console, which at the moment we're just providing video content to them from our streaming site. So I think pivot's a very good word you used. Uh, We did anticipate digital becoming more important for the media entertainment industry. We did anticipate convergence happening. We did anticipate, you know, the lack of capital markets exposure to this investment class but we were not prepared for the speed and the pandemic relating to the huge demand in, in all those categories. You brought up movie theaters, and I know one of the things that you got involved with was offering a direct-to-consumer solution that helps filmmakers monetize after their festival run. In terms of Canadian recovery, do you think some of these things are going to come back? Like, What parts of the entertainment and production business do you think have been irreparably changed And are Canadian companies like yours moving fast enough to adapt to that? That's a big question here. So I'll, I'll try to answer it, you know, in two ways, one, the production side and two, you know, the, the movie theater side. So we we do have a product uh, called Real House Live that again, I I wish I could have said I, I invented it, but it was created by the previous founding team who did see an opportunity to create kind of a digital cinema experience, you know, film festivals. I, I sit on the board actually of the Whistler Film Festival. So, you know, I have some personal experience and reflection points of, you know, the struggle of content creators showing their films in a physical theater, as well as, you know, theoretically the theater theater owners struggling. So the theater business will come back. It's something that in our culture, from all genders, for all societies, 
I think everyone has fond memories with their grandparents or with their parents or with their loved ones. And I think that will come back. Second part of your question on the production side, you know, I've obviously grown up here in Vancouver and Hollywood North and, you know, seen the tremendous growth of production. And I also believe obviously production will, will be here to stay. But what I do caution both sides of those huge industries is to be more embracing to digital. I first talked about Real House Live, which was a, a streaming digital cinema solution to offer filmmakers the opportunity to sell and screen their movies digitally. That's obviously now becoming a very hot topic. But what I'm also realizing on the production side is, you know, TV shows like The Mandalorian. I'm sure some fans potentially don't like Star Wars, but, you know, to, to me, it's it's obviously one of the most iconic brands in the world. And it's, you know, it, it's a real prize to creativity. It, it shows you that when you put enough brilliant people together, you know, you can create a world that can last for decades and decades. And the reason why I bring up The Mandalorian is they're actually using some video game technology to produce the content. And I think that's what's really interesting. The, I guess the word convergence again, the convergence of technologies are dramatically changing production. And I think people in the production business do need to embrace technology more because I think the tools of technology are meant to make things easier for the human experience. I do believe physical production will, will always be important. I do believe movie theaters will always be important, but I do think there's a new digital opportunity that will not go away. Not to bring up Blockbuster and Netflix, you know, you do need to adapt to technology. Otherwise, you know, you can get left behind. We've seen a lot of streamers take a while to get to a profitability stage in terms of the valuation of digital content. Do you think there's a reckoning coming where consumers are inevitably going to have to pay more for digital content? What I've been learning, experiencing our streaming platform is, you know, video on demand, you know, Apple iTunes, you know, revolutionized digital consumption. It expanded a new world of people, not just buying CDs and DVDs to digital individual consumption. If you look at the trends, you know, that market share has started to diminish to include, obviously, as you talked about, subscription video on demand. And you're seeing a lot of the majors offer many streaming solutions and streaming products, and the consumer has much more choices. So you're also seeing the subscription video on demand business also minimize to a new segment, which is, you know, ad side, advertising video on demand. So I think the consumer has the most power as the tastemaker and the decision maker. And, and I don't know where it will end up in the future, but I do know there will be more digital options for consuming content. It's, it's just a technology thing. Cable was revolutionary when it was, you know, streaming is revolutionary now, but who knows what will come in the future. Any predictions for the year ahead? We've all had a very hard time over the last year. I think, you know, in some regards, people probably don't want to hear about streaming and don't want to hear about video games anymore. I think to some degree, people want to get out there and experience nature and experience life. But, um, you know, not everyone has the option to 
fly to Europe and, you know, experience things or not everyone has the opportunity to, you know, maybe read a physical book. And I, I think digital technology is, is here to stay. I think it will become a larger segment in all asset classes and all business. And definitely media will be consumed to a larger degree digitally. That That's not going to change now. The genie's out of the bottle, as they say. But I do see a, a flashback, per se, to the old world of going to see a movie and getting some popcorn and sitting down and not talking for a couple hours. Anything else you want to add, Daniel? No, I mean, you know, I, I encourage people, you know, I come from the capital markets, you know, I believe financial literacy is is very important. I think, you know, what's happened in the stock market of late, um, I won't pick out any, you know, stock symbols that have, you know, created headlines in the world. Um, but I think it is an exciting time in the capital markets and the financial community. I think, you know, people are realizing we're all connected. I definitely encourage people to do their own research and learn about the the markets. I think in particular, the media entertainment business is obviously a long tail opportunity. I think we're talking to the Canadian audience here. We have everything to be proud of. The, the institutions of Canada and, of course, giving the Canadian government credit for creating the tax credit regime to allow Hollywood North to succeed is something that we shouldn't forget about. I think the, it's a global economy and, and obviously we, we love the Nasdaq Stock Exchange and we, and we love our fellow Americans, but um, Canada has a lot to be proud about and I think there's a huge opportunity in this convergence time of history. Thank you so much for joining us. It was my pleasure, Connie. Look forward to chatting again. Thanks for listening to Broadcast Dialogue. For more information about the podcast or to receive exclusive access to our weekly briefing about the Canadian media industry, visit us at broadcastdialogue.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, connect with us on LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter and SoundCloud. I'm Matt Kundal, host of the Sound Off Podcast the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.